0: Welcome to the Crossroads Church Sermon Podcast. The following message is meant to help intersect your road with God's road. Crossroads Church gathers to discover God, grow in Him, and reach out to others. For more information, visit crossroadsst.james.life. My palace. I saw a dream that made me afraid. As I lay in bed, the fancies and the visions of my head alarmed me. So I made a decree that all the wise men of Babylon should be brought before me, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans, uh, and the astrologers came in, and I told them the dream, but they could not make known to me its interpretation. Let's pause here for a second. So we've got Nebuchadnezzar. He's had a a disturbing dream. Uh, He even talks about being a vision. So the fact that it's a dream and a vision means that while he was sleeping, he's seen it. And even when he's awake, it's been shown to him. So this has been on his mind. It's on his head. Um, And as we said, Nebuchadnezzar is in a very uh, different spot than he was uh, in the earlier dream he had of the statue. You guys all remember earlier in the book of Daniel, he has the dream of the statue, and he was just beginning his reign at that time. And so do you remember what he did? He was like, here's the deal. I've got this dream, and I want all you enchanters and dream tellers and all this stuff, I want you to tell me what the dream is, and then I want you to give me the interpretation. And he threatened to kill everybody if they didn't do that. But guys, remember that story? And... Um, so this time it's a little bit different. He's established, he's firmly entrenched, like we said he's he's the king of the known world at this time. So at this period of time, he's not so concerned about the yes men that he doesn't want to listen to. He just wants someone to interpret this dream because it's it's really it's really bad for him. He's, he, he doesn't like it. He's having a hard time, and, and he's, he's not sure. This dream uh, is a little more serious. The usual team couldn't get it done, um, so he's, he's got to figure out, who, who can I do that? Who can I go through? This time, he's in that position of power, his prosperity. Um, uh, the people that come to tell him the dream, that, that hear the dream, there's one of two things. They either really can't, interpret the dream or they don't want to because they know it's bad news for them. They understand what the dream is. They kind of get it. We'll see the dream in a minute. And so they're either like, well, we don't want to tell you because we think you're going to get ticked off <laughs> or they really don't understand the dream. Um, so with all this happening, who can Nebuchadnezzar turn to? Let's look at verse 8. At last, Daniel came in before me He who is named Belteshazzar, after the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And I told him the dream. Um, So, why didn't Nebuchadnezzar simply turn to Daniel in the first place, right? I mean, the story that I just told you about, you know, remembering about the first dream, why doesn't he just go to Daniel immediately? Man, I got this really crazy dream. Bring Daniel in. Probably what's happened is there's, there's been a lot of time that's happened since that first stream with that, uh, with that statue to now. And Nebuchadnezzar has gotten comfortable, right? What did he say? I was in my palace. I was in my prosperity. It was good. He's probably had more dreams since the statue. And these guys have all come up and shown him the interpretation, and he's probably been satisfied with it. This is great. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for giving me that interpretation. And so during this period of time, from the statue dream to this dream, it's been all good. So he's probably like, you know what? Daniel is really good at this, but... These guys are doing just fine. I don't care. <laughs> but this time, these guys couldn't do it. And so he says, fine, let's, let's, uh, let's take Daniel and, and, and let's see what we can do. Uh, this dream was a little serious. The usual team couldn't get it done. So he finally turns to Daniel. Now, we can chuckle at Nebuchadnezzar about this, but only because sometimes we do the same thing, right? How many times do we lean on our own strength, our own knowledge first, only to later go to God when everything else fails? Right? How many situations have you been in where you're like, okay, I'm going to try this, 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 We am going to talk to this person, talk to that person, der, 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 off the list, check it, check it, check it, check it. And then finally, when it's all said and done, then maybe I should go to God. <laughs> maybe I should talk to Him. How often do we do that? We can chuckle about what Nebuchadnezzar does here, but it's only because we do the same thing. I want to encourage you guys, whenever you have that opportunity, to make sure that you go to God before all else fails. So Nebuchadnezzar tells Daniel the dream. Look at verse 9. Verse nine, O Old Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you and that no mystery is too difficult for you. Tell me the visions of my dream that I saw in their interpretation. The visions of my head as I lay in bed were these. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong and its top reached to heaven, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful, and its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the heavens lived in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. I saw in the visions of my head as I lay in bed, and behold, a watcher, a holy one, came down from heaven. He proclaimed aloud and said thus, Chop down the tree, and lop off its branches, strip off its leaves, and scatter its fruit. Let the beast flee from under it and the birds from its branches, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze amid the tender grass of the field. Let him be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be with the beasts in the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from a man's and let a beast's mind be given to him and let seven periods of time pass over him. The sentence is by the decree of the watchers. The decision by the word of the holy ones, to the end that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to him. He will or, and gives it to whom he will, uh, and sets over it the lowliest of men. Verse eighteen. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, saw, and you, O Belteshazzar, tell me the interpretation, because all the wise men. Of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in you. So, when Nebuchadnezzar does this, it's very different language, is it not? Uh, In fact, literally, this is not written in Hebrew, this is written in uh, uh, Arabic. And so, everything about this is completely different. I mean, you've got watchers coming down. I mean, what the heck is a watcher? probably an angel. Um, he never calls God by his name. It's just the most high, um, those kinds of things. So it's, it's very different. It's almost like, wow, this is, this is some different language. This is, this is kind of weird. Um, it's, it's happening this way because Nebuchadnezzar, who doesn't know God, and he doesn't deal in situations with God, so upon hearing the dream, it seems that the other dream interpreters may have been pretty apprehensive about telling the king uh, the bad news, but Nebuchadnezzar knew he could trust Daniel as he has the spirit of the holy gods in him. So he still, though he, he recognizes God, he, he, he doesn't recognize him as the only god he just there's there's a lot of different gods and and daniel happens to have one that's that's pretty that's pretty stinking good so so i know that i can trust you and so he comes to daniel he tells him this dream tree looks good it's all lush everything's great now chop it down little the messenger the the comes down and and tells him to chop it down leave the roots in the ground then band it uh, with bronze and iron so that it can't grow anymore. It's just going to stay where it is. And then the tree, he, he starts giving uh, personification to and says, you know, he's going to give the mind of a beast and he's going to be like a beast. He's going to be eating grass and all that kind of stuff. So Daniel is, of course, truthful, but he doesn't like what he has to say. Look at verse 19. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was dismayed for a while, and his thoughts alarmed him. The king answered and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream and the interpretation alarm you. Belteshazzar answered and said, My Lord, may the dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for your enemies. Uh, The tree you saw, uh, which grew and became strong, so that its top reached to heaven and it was visible to the end of the whole earth, blah, 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 keeps on going. Go to verse 22. That tree, verse 22, it is you, O king. Who have grown and become strong. Your greatness has grown and reaches to heaven, and your dominion to the ends of the earth. For the next couple of verses, he describes the watcher coming to chop down the tree and and picks up uh, with the actual interpretation in verse twenty four. Look at verse twenty four. This is the interpretation, O King. And gives it to whom he will. And as it was commanded to leave the stump of the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be confirmed for you from the time that you know that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness, and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed, that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. So, in short, Daniel at first is like, I don't want to tell you and what does he say i i let's hope that this dream is, is is technically for your enemies because this is not good news this is not what it should be this is not good news for daniel or for nebuchadnezzar and daniel offers nebuchadnezzar a possible way out of this. He comes up and he says listen, you're that tree, you're the tall tree and you're the one that's going to be chopped down and you're the one that's going to have the mind of the beast you're the one that's going to be eating grass so he comes out and he says listen practice righteousness and show mercy to the oppressed. In other words repent of where you're at right now repent of who you are right now and maybe, just maybe just maybe your prosperity will last a little bit longer if you don't though this is for you, Nebuchadnezzar, and as you you read that and you look at that, it's kind of like now you might know that that if the interpreters now the interpreters may have understood the actual dream, but that was really bad news because it's it's often it's using a lot of language. Trees being tall and big and outstretched, you know, their branches going everywhere. Those those are typical. Uh, you know, if if you were to to look into the psychology of stuff, that was typical and it was understood that that meant the person in power and all that kind of stuff. So the interpreters possibly knew about this and just didn't want to say it. But Daniel, knowing that he had the spirit of the one true God in him, was like, listen, I'm going to give you the truth. I just, I just don't want it to be the truth for you. So do this instead and see what happens. So what does Nebuchadnezzar do? Does Nebuchadnezzar do this? Look at verse 28. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar At the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, and the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence for the glory of my majesty? While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, uh, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. And you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. Immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. Ever seen bird's claws? They're nasty. (laughs) Paulina over here the nurse practitioner i've seen it not even on a bird (laughs) but um does nebuchadnezzar repent no he does not repent there's no humility he comes up and says isn't this the great babylon which i have built it's amazing isn't it i'm so wonderful i'm so awesome and god immediately comes in and says well the dream is about to come to pass the translation is close to correct in its last uh, in this lasting seven periods of time. It's more literally translated seven times. We're not sure exactly what this is. Is it months? Is it years? It's not decades, but it's it's like what what is it? We're not really sure what it is, but it's it's a lengthy amount of time. Um, but uh, there's, there's no record of this ever happening outside of what the Bible has just told us. However, there is a period of seven years between 582 B.C. and 575 B.C. in which none of uh, Nebuchadnezzar's governmental activity is ever recorded. There are also other parts of his reign in which it looks like there is kind of a co-regency happening, which means there's two people ruling at one time, the father and typically the son, and uh, there are aspects, when you look at the Babylonian record, in which uh, Nebuchadnezzar and his son, evil uh, is is reigning at the same time. So there's this period of time, a lot of people don't believe this actually happened because they can't find it necessarily in the Babylonian record, it's only in the Bible, and people like to say, well, the Bible's garbage, and, you know, well, it's not, but this is some of the history that's there to show that, listen, this this did happen at some point. Note also the narration went from first person, you know. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was sitting in my palace. It was great. I was having a good old time. I went to go talk to Daniel. I went to talk to the other dream. He's, he's talking in first person. And then for this section of Scripture, he all of a sudden changes it to third person. And then it's like you looking at Nebuchadnezzar and telling the story. And then Nebuchadnezzar uh, was 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 prideful. It's almost as if Nebuchadnezzar wanted to let you know, hey, listen, when this happened to me, I wasn't that person. That that was that was crazy, man. <laughs> And you need to understand that that was crazy man during that period of time. It wasn't really who I was. And so he kind of changed it. He doesn't want to people to think that the crazy dude was really him. The real person was who he was in this la- earlier part and who he is after this. So he goes through this long hair Claws, he's eating grass, he's probably looking like an absolute freak uh, amongst the people. They're probably trying to hide him within, you know, his kingdom and stuff. Like, I don't know where we're going to put him. Uh, maybe we can stick him in a group of a bunch of cows or something, and nobody will notice that he's out there. We really don't know anything about this. We just know that Nebuchadnezzar never repented of his pride, and the Lord fulfilled the punishment that was due him. After the time is allotted by God, Nebuchadnezzar regains his sanity in verse 34. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High, and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth and none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? Verse 36, at the same time my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my lords sought me, and I was established in my kingdom, and, I still, and still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, for all his works are right and his ways are just, and those who walk in pride, he is able to. To humble, So he has this time of, you know, insanity, mental illness, whatever term you want to use there, the Lord gives it to him. And after the allotted time, so during that time, though he's going nuts and he's got hair coming out everywhere and big old long nails and everything. At some point within there, after the time has passed, God has brought his, to his attention, listen, I am God. And this is how this works. I'm in charge of all of it. Now we talked about this a little bit last week, right? We talked about how Jeremiah and Ezekiel write about Uh, the judgment of the nations and most of these nations what do they struggle with they struggle with the fact that they think that they're all that and a bag of chips right they're like listen we're in charge we know what we're doing we're so powerful and we're so awesome because of who we are because of everything we've done or even because of some other god that i worship and god comes out and he tells them through ezekiel through jeremiah and even through isaiah too uh, and a few other prophets what does he say no you're all wrong it's all me I am the one true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And here with Nebuchadnezzar, he gets this opportunity to kind of change his ways to kind of understand what is actually happening. Now listen, there are some that believe Nebuchadnezzar had a conversion experience based on these last few verses, but there's not many. Many. Not many believe that he actually changed and was like a follower of God and became Jewish or anything and you know started practicing Sabbath and started saying, hey, everybody, let's start doing the, the festival days like these guys have. Let's do these feasts. Let's do all this stuff. This God is amazing and awesome. Let's start following him like, like we should. He doesn't really do that. There is no indication technically of a relationship with God. There is no indication of a better understanding of who God is. As we've talked about in God Chasers on Wednesday nights, there's plenty about the hand of God. There's plenty about everything that he's giving to Nebuchadnezzar, all these cool things that he's seen. That's great. But there's nothing really here about him seeking the face of God. About him coming out and saying, you know, he gives honor where honor is due, but there's, there's no sign of that relationship. There's no sign of, this is the one true God. Really, all that Nebuchadnezzar has, the idea that Daniel's God does way cooler stuff than any of the other gods, right? He's seen some pretty cool stuff. The first dream in which Daniel came out told the dream and the interpretation, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I'm going to light this furnace hotter than the surface of the sun. I'm going to throw you in it. But you're not going to (laughs) die. You're going to live, and you're not even going to smell like smoke when I pull you out of there. He's seen some pretty cool stuff. He's seen this happen. He's seen a lot of neat things happen. Sure, he praises God for those good things he's done, but like I said, he's just giving honor where honor is due. What happens when Nebuchadnezzar has his wits about him and things don't go the way he wants them to? Does he go after the one true God, or does he line them all up and see which one Suits him best. Let's see what these other guys have to say. Let's see what else happens. We don't get a lot more after this. We don't get much more understanding of where Nebuchadnezzar is going after this kind of stuff. And it's probably because his life totally didn't change. It just kind of stayed the same you're, you're 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 the the ultimate power of the known world, and you just continue kind of going where you are. you might be a little bit more humbled you might not be beating people um, like like some other rulers have done and and the truth is is when you look at the record of Babylon during the time of Nebuchadnezzar, he actually was very kind to the exiles. he actually treated them very well. He wasn't like beating them. It wasn't like the time when they were in Egypt they weren't slaves or anything like that. It was just listen. I'm in charge because I've overtaken everything. So you guys live here and, and do whatever you want to. But there isn't anything in which he lo- just looks like he's on fire for God. It's kind of sad because really the p- part of the issue is Nebuchadnezzar has no clue what he has in the person of Daniel. Daniel is sitting there. And like I said, you know, he goes with everybody else, tries to listen to everybody else. Nobody can give him the interpretation. And finally... Finally, Daniel shows up. Oh, good. Glad we got one person in this kingdom that knows what they're doing. He has no clue who he has in the person of Daniel. Now, just to give you an idea of who Daniel is, we've already seen great things happen. But in Ezekiel chapter 14, Ezekiel chapter 14, at the time of the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, God turns to Ezekiel and says, Listen, there's three guys. You know them, Ezekiel, a guy named Noah a guy named Daniel, and a guy named Job. You all know those guys, right? Most of you in here probably heard of them in Sunday school. Noah, Daniel, Job. God literally tells Ezekiel, you know, when this destruction happens and everything is gone, and those three guys, they would have been able to save themselves based on their own righteousness, but that's it. Their kids wouldn't have survived it. If they were there and their kids were with them, their kids wouldn't have survived it. But now Noah, Daniel, and Job, their lives would have been spared. Now, the reason I bring this up is because of who Daniel is in the eyes of God. I mean, that's, that's pretty powerful for God to say, listen, this person is so righteous, was so good, was so obedient to what I've called them to do. Their lives would have been spared. Their kids, their other family, they probably would have gone down in the destruction. Now we can go much deeper into that, what that means, and all that stuff. That's not what I want to do today. I just want to show you how powerful Daniel is within the eyes of God, and Nebuchadnezzar is just kind of missing it. He's not going with Daniel, learning more about God. He. He, he's just kind of clueless on this. He's ignoring the opportunities to learn more about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to learn more about the one and only true God who gave Nebuchadnezzar everything that made him the tree that he is. This may be more insane than what he just went through, right? The insanity, you know, you look at it and it's like, whoa, look at that, you're crazy, that's nuts. But what's more insane is the fact that he looks at Daniel, he has this teacher, he has this man of God, not the man with the spirit of the gods. He literally has the Holy Spirit, the spirit of the one true God in him. And he's just kind of pushing him, not pushing him away, but he's just kind of like, well, I'll just use him when I need to. I'll follow this guy when I need to. And he's completely missing it. Listen, friends, sadly, some people live their entire lives like Nebuchadnezzar. They believe in God. They know he exists. They come to church Maybe they say some prayers. Maybe they sing some songs. Maybe they get really unhappy and excited about the various things that God does in their lives and the lives of others. But there's no relationship. There's no relationship. There's knowledge. There's physical healing. There's emotional healing. Maybe even some goosebumps. But there's no relationship. I can see what God does. I can hear what God does. That's great. But I only want to use God when it suits me. And that's where Nebuchadnezzar got himself in trouble. Friends, don't let this happen to you. Don't leave today without at least starting a relationship with God. If you have a relationship with God, awesome. Keep it going. If you don't, you need to start one today. The Bible tells us today is the day of salvation. And listen, it's very easy. God made it very simple. What did you just say? John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. All I got to do is believe. Believe what we celebrated today. That Jesus died on the cross. That he came down from heaven to be flesh and bone. Just like you and I. But perfect. That he shed his blood on that cross that cleansed us, made us whole, made us new. But also with that, he opened it up that we could have a relationship with him. I mean, yes, God does miracles and God moves in power. And there are things that, that happen, like I said, that will give you goosebumps. It'll, you'll just be like, wow, that was amazing. But you know what, friends? That starts to fade when there's no relationship. The relationship is where it's at. Yes, we should be praising God. Yes, we should be worshiping God. Yes, you should come Sundays, Wednesdays, whenever. Pray, read your Bible. But do it to build that relationship with God. Don't end up like Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, it's very powerful. A lot of people in the world know who he is. I mean, I'm sure, your kids and you have learned about him in history class. Ancient history, but there can be so much more if he would have just followed God if he would have had that relationship. why don 't you stand with me today as we close this up like I said we we've been talking about it on Wednesday nights through God chasers that uh, Lucas is leading, and I mean that's that 's really the thrust of the mm-hmm. The message in the book is stop seeking God's hand and start seeking his face. Start knowing who God is, having that relationship. Do I want to see the Lord move? Of course I do. But more of what I want is for people to stand before God and what does he say? You're awesome. I know you. Come on in. Faithful servant, come on in. I definitely don't want to hear, you know, I never knew you. Who are you? But I did this, 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 and this. Never knew who you were. I mean, that's what the Bible says, sheep and the goats. Matthew 25, I think, is where it's found. There's two stories there in which, you know, you didn't help those people out. You didn't, you didn't do this. You didn't do that. I don't know you. The relationship with God is of the utmost importance.